Thanks for tuning into Journey. Everyone is welcome at the table. We are a community being shaped by Jesus, experiencing and practicing humility, curiosity, belonging, and generosity. We hope to be a people who embrace the way of Jesus by listening first, speaking second, loving freely, and giving generously. Now, as you're sitting there, you're going, okay, where is he going with this? It's not going to be real complicated. If I'm going to share a few thoughts, but as I'm sharing these thoughts about the table this morning, would you please think about the way if you've participated in a table at Journey, how it has impacted your life? Because we're going to give you a chance to share a brief testimony or talk about that. Um, and I, I, I want you to know that when we talk about this being central to our ministry, it is an invitation to you if you're new, if you've been here for a long time to participate in, because it's the gateway to being a part of this community. It is the moment where you step into somebody's house and you experience hospitality. You experience a group of people that have come together that are different economic status, different racial status, different whole thing is different and you can sit around a table and you can have an evening of hospitality where you get to know each other and it's not around the idea of being the same. It is around the idea of being humans that share life together. And it is the idea that we want you to be known and we want you to know us. And so that is the means by which we have implemented the table. And the table was born out of this idea. It was born out of the idea that communion is the table that Jesus invites all of us to. And all are welcome at the table. Everyone. So again, you hear those words. Don't let those words slip by your ears and think, oh, that's their slogan. No, it's our way of trying to communicate in, in short bursts and ways that will cement in your mind that the table of God is for everyone. And we want to practice that. That's why we do it once a month. That's why we do it in people's homes. And that's why we do it in an environment. Now, if you're new, we want to invite you to come. And we can be a part of that. You can sign up on our website. And if, you, if you're not new and you're sitting there going, I tried it, it didn't work very good for me. Try it again and again and again. The idea is not Bible study. The idea is relational connection around a meal to be known. And that is the gateway into many other things. And, and with that, the many other things that I want to share with you, don't worry, there's going to be scriptures here. Don't worry, I'm going to talk about the Bible. For those of you who are worried, is that um, some of us that do the table together actually can go and play trivia at a tavern on a Thursday night. And, and it's, I know, scandalous but it moves the relationship to other places. It moves it to the place where you can celebrate a meal with somebody at a different time than when we schedule it. There are moments, of, I know of groups that actually celebrate holidays together that met at the table. Um, I know that some of us, uh, myself, I go to coffee with people that I met at the table and the relationships take the next steps. It goes deeper. But if you don't start at some place, you will remain anonymous. You will remain a person that comes and goes. You will not be a part and integrated into the community, and we desperately want you to be integrated into the community. Not that we want you to be just like us. God, no. Don't be just like us. 
bring all your diversity and all your differences and all the things that you believe to be true. And they are safe here and they're welcome here. You're going to rub up against a lot of uh, ideas, a lot of thoughts, but they're centered around this idea of the person, Jesus Christ. And we invite you. Allow somebody with a different opinion to speak to you without you getting angry. Allow a person with a different point of view on politics to be able to engage you without you being upset. Allow for the opportunity to look look someone in the eye who's probably 20 years younger than you and they have no clue about what's next in their life and you've been through so much and you can just assure them that God will be with them. A lot happens at a table that you cannot do in a group like this and you cannot do if you remain anonymous. The invitation is for you and we're going to treat you like adults because most of you are. And we invite you because Jesus was very invitational. He invited people to the table. He invited people into relationship. He invited them into places and said, come follow me. And they did or they didn't. And so we're not going to coerce you, manipulate you, or even somehow shame you into being part of the table. We just desperately want for you what we have for ourselves. And we want to give it away. And so I've given you a few moments. Those of you who have participated in the table... Have you come up with anything that has touched your life by being in the table? And I've got Susie's on a mic and Mike's on a mic, so Mike will be easy to direct. He's easy to see. Um, And if you could bring the lights up and so we could see each other. Just brief testimony. You don't have to be long. You can just say, hey, I I went to somebody's house and it was, you can even say if you had a bad experience because I can use that. And I'm okay with silence. So, <gasps> over here, Susie. We went to a table, and my sister was in town. My sister has bipolar disorder. It was at Ellen's house. We all know Ellen. <laughs> and he didn't tell us what he did. You know, that's good, probably. <laughs> but um, the girl who I've only seen here once after was there and sharing how she just moved here and she had this horrible problem. Mm. And my sister was there. Yeah. And she spoke her through it and talked to her about it and said how God has worked. And it was just miraculous that night. Mm. And we didn't even know it. Yeah. Ellen's husband did as a career. You do. Yeah, well, he's, he's with me on Journey on My Mind. Yes, he's uh, Dave Hagen. He's the psychologist. That, anyway, if you haven't listened to Journey on My Mind, then please do. Um, over here. Hey, good morning. Good morning. I was actually at your table the first time, and what really struck me was how real, and I didn't know you were the pastor. <laughs> yeah. I, I try to do that as best I can. <laughs> yeah, and everyone at the table was so welcoming for me and Cam and our little one at the time. She was quite rambunctious, and everyone just came together and met with each other, and it was just such an encouragement because I was so desperate. I was new here right. and so desperate for connection, and to see everyone just 
go deep in conversations of total strangers where mm -hmm. I knew more about them than I know some of my siblings. And it was just so such an encouragement and I knew this was the place that I was meant to be. And some of those people I've never even seen again, but it doesn't matter because they're in my heart now. And it was just such an encouragement for me. Hello. All right, I went to my first table like two months after I moved here and went with a couple of friends, but I made like best friends through it. Um, and I was really nervous because when I've been to other churches, I like feel like when I need to go to things like that or when I do go to things, I'm like, I don't know as many Bible verses as them, I don't think, or <laughs> right. like, yeah. I felt like, you feel like you need to prove yourself sometimes. And sure. we just played games, hung out, ate tacos. Like, yes. so those are the best moments. And yeah, they've become family. I hang out with them. We oh. did a turkey trot on Thanksgiving together. <laughs> so yeah, it's awesome. I, I didn't run it. I walked the turkey trot, but trotted, trotting next year. Yes, trotting next year. Trotting next year. I don't even want to know what that is, but. <laughs> Sounds like trot. Yeah. You want to run around? The, no. Okay. Thank you. There were no plants in the room, so I took the risk this morning. Anybody else? I know that hand. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I think the table has been great, but I think what's interesting is I go to the table and I meet people that I recognize and I don't know so well. And what's come out of, not directly from that, but just has allowed me to feel more comfortable being here right. and being seen and known and has allowed me to start welcoming people into my house and just sort of organically, like we've had a lot of people here over to our house for dinner. Yeah. Um, or just different events and want to continue doing that this year and just welcoming new friends and making new friends. Mm -hmm. So if you want a new friend, come say hi. <laughs> Thanks, Brooke. I, I mean, these are just simple examples of why we do the table, but it, it often goes well beyond that. And we want to just um, extend that to you, a lot of churches, I've been a part of church. I, have, I was a small groups pastor for five years in a church of about 3,000 people. And um, as I did that small group ministry, we did a lot, of, a lot of good work, and we trained a lot of leaders, and we did a lot of Bible studies. And if you didn't know, no, there wasn't a lot of verses that had to be memorized or anything. But in that was an artificial idea of what we were trying to actually accomplish in the church is that if we just put people in the same room and we put them in a room long enough together that they'll develop these deep relationships. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't work. A lot of times it didn't work. And then people didn't know what to do if they didn't get along. They didn't know what to do. So they would stop going to the meeting. People's feelings would get hurt. I don't know, anybody been a part of anything like that? 
and then you're stuck in a group with people you don't want to be in a group with for years. And I know people who have done it. And that's not the purpose of the church, to be in relationship with people that um, you don't want to meet with once a week. The reason we do this once a month and the reason that we switch it up is that you will find your people. You will find people you connect with. You will meet a diversity of people and hopefully those people won't be just like you. They won't have the same ideologies that you have. They won't approach life the same way. They won't be in the same age group. They won't be in the same economic status. None of those things have to be true for there to be a human connection. Now, in Jesus' day, when, when they talked about fellowship and they talked about hospitality, um, coming to a meal at somebody's house meant much more than it does with us. It was a culture that revolved around honor and shame. And when you showed up, you were either in a status of a position where you sat at a specific place at a table, or you were only invited to people who were of the same status with you. And, and part of this is, was ingrained into the culture, and that culture was being propped up by the religious structure so that the Pharisees, with good intention, the Pharisees with good intention were trying to bring holiness back to Israel. And so in doing so, they tried to separate the holy ones from the unclean ones. And so that Jesus would return, or so that the Messiah would come. And so that there would be a, a revival for the nation of Israel. That was their intent. And so they put together these laws and who you could eat with and who you couldn't eat with. And there was this, and, and the whole thing turned into of uh, who's who and who wasn't and who was marginalized and who was cool. And it's, it's like going to lunch at junior high. Oh, that's the cool table. Those are the smart kids. I shared a story one time in this room where when I was in junior high, uh, anybody been in junior high? Fond memories? Anybody? Anybody? Fond memories? Okay. There was an okay. Oh, my reflection on junior high was awful, but some of what happened to me on one day, one day in particular, I went into the lunchroom on the first day and I knew nobody. And I walked into that room and nobody would give me the look like, hey, you can come over and sit here. Ever been there? If you've never been there, it is the loneliest feeling in the world to walk into a room, no one acknowledges your existence, and you're looking for some place to sit with a tray of food. It was pizza, though. Because <laughs> figured, they figured, give them something good to eat on the worst day of their life. <laughs> and then it wasn't long, and there was another kid that was standing next to me. His name's Grant Novozinski. You may wonder, how in the world does this guy know that guy's name from seventh grade? <laughs> We looked at each other and said, you got a place to sit? He said, no. So we found our own place to sit. Long story short, he was the best man in my wedding. We became friends over pizza and a shared disastrous moment. Neither of us had a place to be. And so I want to share with you this passage of scripture as it in incorporates these ideas 
of how the table matters, how we become people who are seen or not seen, and how we contribute to it. Oftentimes, we are merely looking for somebody who thinks like us, looks like us, acts like us, and will just go deep enough with us that we'll just agree on the surface. That's not relationship. That's acquaintance. And so some of what we are hoping for speaks to this idea of how this culture had, Jesus speaks to this culture and he tries to blow up the honor and shame system. And he says in Luke 14, 7 through 14, he says, when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may be invited also. If so, the host will, who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. How would that feel, right? Jesus is making a great point. Then humiliated, you have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your home host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He's turning the table on the table on hospitality. He's saying, he's saying, come to the table, but also he's saying, don't try to exalt yourself over others. The table was meant to be a place of equalizing. Then Jesus said to, the, to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, or have people over from church. Do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may actually invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This was scandalous for him to say this. Completely scandalous. Because he was going against everything that the culture had taught the people. We read it and we go, well, yeah, this makes sense to us. But to them, it was, um, it was shaming. And so he's trying to blow up something. He's trying to change people's perspective of humans. He's trying to equal out the playing field, which is often tilted towards a certain group of people. And so as he elevates them, He's not, trying just, he's not trying to tear down the, those that are elevated. He's trying to elevate those that are lower and allow for those to all sit at the same table and not have it be about their status. And so we here at Journey are trying to figure this out, trying to figure out how to have a diverse church in 2023 in 2024, in the midst of a very polarized world, in the midst of a very polarized culture, in the midst of a very diverse place, in the midst of all of that, we're saying come to the table and allow for all of those things that make us different, not do away with them, but bring them what makes you different to the table and have it be part of your humanity and let that be where we meet and not judge each other, and not take issue with each other, but just be humans together. That's the invitation.
So how do you create a hospitable environment? <laughs> yeah. In a world that just as soon would use sound bites, hateful words, judgment to keep people apart. In a world of social media, how do you get people to sit at a table, look each other in the eye, and actually be able to be kind and courteous and go beyond what is just merely an introduction? This is what we're trying to accomplish. And so inclusive environments welcome questions and curiosity. This, if, you, if you ever wanted to take notes on what hospitability, this is it. This is your moment. Because the moment that questions and curiosity are dismissed, you lose the sense of interesting conversation. The dialogue will drift into what everybody agrees on. And who cares about what everybody agrees on? There needs to be honest, open dialogue, and the availability of disagreement. Questions and curiosity are welcome. The low bar of entry. Being human is the low bar of entry. That's the table. Social norms are clearly stated and repeated with limited surprises. Nothing worse than bait and switching people. Nothing worse. Saying, hey, we're going to get together, we're going to have a meal, and we're going to go over to Grant's house. He's going to cook us a gourmet meal. Ooh. And then we're going to have this just conversation. We might have a nice glass of wine, and then we will see where the conversation leads. And then when you show up, you get Chick-fil-A. That's pretty, okay. Wait, wait, wait. My bad. You can't have Chick-fil-A on Sunday, and we have the table on Sunday. So, McDonald's? Okay. And the conversation is, open your Bibles to chapter 6. We're going to talk about this. See, because in, in, in the world of church, oftentimes that's what people are expecting, is that there's got to be more to this. There's got to be some kind of underlying thing. There's another shoe that's going to drop. And I'm telling you, all that happens at the table Food's usually pretty good. Not always, but it's usually pretty good. And the conversation is stimulating. And you'll meet people that you've never met before. And you might never, ever see them again. But you will have that opportunity. Or they may become lifelong friends. I don't know. It's kind of the random draw of the thing. And it's great. So... So that's the idea of the connectivity of this thing. We invite you to the table. You sit around the table. There's a, it's, it's non-compulsory. You can sit there and be quiet. I try not to let some people be quiet. Try to draw them out. Try to get, at least get them to say their name out loud. Um, one of the things that my wife does when we do the table, thank the Lord, is we have this mirror in our dining room, and she writes everybody's name on the mirror. So I can go, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so, so-and-so so that I have names, and so that we are called by our names. There's something about being called by our names. And it's an invitation. You don't have to. It's structured enough to allow for conversation and not allow people to dominate the conversation. 
It is diverse. Every group I've been a part of has been like, oh, okay. The last one, I had a couple that were probably two of the older people in our church and a couple of college students. And all the connect and unbelievable connections were made. I still, anyway. But we see God work in the midst of that. Um, there's a shared values and principles. Here are the shared values and principles that we use to, to gather the table. Humans are all valued and respected. Humans. Everyone is welcome and it's safe. Those are our values. Because that's the way Jesus taught and treated people, all people. This kind of environment allows for everyone's opinion. As long as we agree, it is not required, it is not required that you agree with me. Then it works. But if the common value is, no, we all have to agree, then it doesn't work. An environment where curiosity is welcome, questions are embraced, and everyone can keep their personal preferences and still belong and be seen. That's the table. So what is the value of participating in the table? <laughs> if you haven't heard any of the value yet, There might be a little bit of fear of going to somebody's house. There might be a fear of a number of things. These are the, probably the biggest hindrances from being in the table that I've heard. Number one is, I'm afraid I won't know anybody. Well, you're in the same boat with probably everybody else. So you might as well, I don't know what. I don't know, I don't, how, how do you get over that? Um, call Susie and say, hey, can you put somebody in there that I know? Susie just threw a dart at me. No, you didn't? Is that okay? Totally okay. So that you at least know somebody. We want to clear as many hurdles as possible so that you will feel welcome. Um, the truth of the matter is you will come up with a reason to go or not to go. And we as a church are saying one simple thing. We will remove as many obstacles as we can, but we will not make the decision for you. You're invited to the table. And what I know is true is this. Everyone is invited, but not everyone will accept. Everyone is welcome, but not everyone will feel welcome. Everyone is extended grace, but not everyone will receive that grace. There's always room at the table, but not everyone is interested in the offer. And all I can ask is that you would search your soul and ask why you're not interested in the offer. Because you are invited. Okay, now I'd like you to put your feet squarely on the floor. I'm going to walk you through another parable that I find very fascinating. And I would like you to leave your hands open on your, on your lap if you can. If you're holding a child, just squeeze them tightly. Um, 
And I'd like you to close your eyes. You can trust me, I'm not gonna do anything weird. I need you to take a deep breath. And I need you to kind of clear your mind, if you will, if you can. And as you clear your mind, um, take another deep breath. Take a moment and center yourself. Okay. You are a servant of a very wealthy person. This is the perspective that you're going to hear this from as I walk you through. You are the servant of a very wealthy person. You're probably the king. And this parable speaks to the kingdom of God. Deep breath. You've just spent days preparing for a feast, a great feast. You had spent days prior sending out invitations and hand-delivering them to the, your wealthy friends. You're working diligently for the king. And the time comes for the banquet. And everything was ready. Now go and tell all that we've invited that it's time to come. So you find yourself walking from door to door of all the people that you've been inviting as for, your, for your master. And you, you come door after door. And here's what you hear. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And you think, really? You've been invited to the banquet of banquets. You don't say it out loud, you just leave. Disappointed. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Really? Really, you think, in your mind? You couldn't do that at a different time? Didn't you try them out when you, before you bought them? But yet, again, you find yourself struck that they're not coming. A pattern is starting to form. Another says, I just got married, so I can't come. And the excuses just keep coming and coming. And I know that I have to go and explain this to my king. I got to go back and say, no one's coming. Let that sit on you for just a minute. No one's coming to the table of the great feast. And you are the bearer of this news. You are the person that has to go and tell the king no one's coming. What are you feeling? Oof. I know I'm feeling a little fear, feeling a little discomfort, a little disappointment he was so excited so much work went into this and no one's coming how will he respond to the news now I'm anxious as I approach him and as I stand in front of him 
and reported the news, I could see him becoming angry. And he ordered his servant now, go out into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Uh, really? The poor? The marginalized, the outcasts, the people we pretend we don't see, those people, will they even come? This is unheard of. But I go. And they come. And I look around the banquet hall and, oh my word, it's not even full. So I go back to the king and I say, what you ordered has been done, but there's still more room. There's more room at your table. And he told his servant, go to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. My house will be full. And as I leave, as we leave my, to fill this table with those who are willing and want to be there. And the king says, let them enjoy my hospitality. All are welcome at my table. It's a picture of the kingdom. It is a picture of Jesus' kingdom of what the world looks like. The offer is extended, the offer of invitation of come to my table, come and, and enjoy this great banquet that I have prepared for you and you will know no bounds if you come and you will be treated as an equal and then they, some, a lot, say, I'm too busy. I got other things to do. And they come up with excuses for not coming to the table. I do this all the time myself. I don't want to be known. I don't want to participate. I don't want to use my time that way. I'm very selfish sometimes. I'm very much so not interested in, in the table. But what I find every time I come to the table, his table, our table, is the unbelievable connection that humans were made for. We were created for this. We were created to eat together, to know each other, and to experience life together. We weren't meant to be alone. And so he invites. And sometimes he even compels. And sometimes he uses his servants. And sometimes we all get to participate, and sometimes we choose not to. And all those things are true. There's no shame, and there's no guilt. There's none of that that's involved in this. There's just the invitation. Come. And so with that, I want to take you into communion.
Just come. And we're going to do it different because today is different. And I want to invite you to the table of Jesus where all are welcome, everybody is equal, and we get to partake together. But we're going to do it different. And there are five stations, including this one right up here, around the room. And the band's going to play some music, and they're going to bring up the lights. And I'd like you to bring up the lights now, if you would, so you can see each other. Communion was never meant to be done in the dark, I don't believe. I think it was meant to be done in light. I didn't think it, it wasn't meant to be done in a somber way. It was meant to be done as a celebration, as we remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And it is an invitation to all who want to participate. You do not have to. This is volitional all around. But you're invited to the table. And Harry, if you could come up here for a second. I know you love being in front of people. I want to show you how to do this so that we all kind of get the same experience. Stand there so they can see you. So see you on the camera. See that camera right there. Um, <laughs> um, let's pretend I don't know Harry. I do know Harry. So the first thing I'm going to do is say, Hi, I'm Kevin. Hi, Harry. Nice to meet you, Harry. Harry, you're welcome at the table. Use the person's name. Say it out loud. Harry, you're welcome at the table. You're welcome. Let me serve you. So I will pour you. This is going to take a few minutes, and that's okay. I'm going to pour you some juice, wine. I don't know what it is. And I'm going to ask you to take a piece of bread. And then I'm going to ask you to do that for somebody else. You can do it for me. You can do it for somebody else. But you get that opportunity. Does everybody kind of understand how it works? So don't, don't let someone get trapped behind the table serving 20 people. Try to just move it around. I know it's clumsy, and it's okay that it's clumsy. And I want you to talk to each other. Because when the table was served back in those days... It was a celebration, it was a meal, it was a conversation, and it was to be known and to be equal. And so, and I also don't want, I want you to take it back to your seat and hold on to it. And we will take it all together. Okay? So that means you take it with you back to where you were previously seated, don't eat it yet, and we will do it all together. Is everybody following and tracking? And again, this is voluntary. You don't have to do this if you don't want to because the table is completely voluntary. But you're going to get to know somebody, the name. You're gonna, this is, everybody knows Harry now. And Kevin, and that's, yeah. got it? You going to play some music for us? Just do it low so they can talk to one another. Um, and there's a table there, 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 there. And you can use this one as well. Thank you, Harry.